0: Games can be a lot of fun, can't they? We all like to play games. And remember, if you're a good sport, everyone can enjoy the game better. Everyone will like you better. And what's most important, you'll feel better about yourself.
1: This podcast is a member of the Mud Puppy Games Network.
2: Hi, this is Michael Curtis, and you are listening to Save for Half, so...
0: Roll them if you got them.
2: Now that you've cast out the evil sorcerer and taken his treasures and searched his colon for gems, it's time for you to kick back and listen to the safe half side show.
1: Welcome to the Safer Half Sideshow, where it's all fun and games until somebody takes a four-sider to the eye.
3: It's a game. Greetings, everybody.
1: It's the
3: sideshow, for Half, eleven and a half. Mm. Here at Save for Half, where half is not just a word, it's a noun. I have DM Mike, and with me is DM Corbett.
2: I'm only half Corbett.
3: <laughs> and DM
1: Liz. I am more than half confused. <laughs>
3: Don't you love fractions?
1: No. Sure, we
3: all do. Yep.
2: We all enjoy the fifth grade.
3: Oh, love, love. Love that stuff. Best five years of my life. Man.
1: <laughs> uh,
3: well, to go off of our episode 11 coverage of Blue Home Journeyman, we are going to be talking to Michael Thomas, the vile traveler himself, the author of Blue Home, both Prentice and Journeyman. And we'll be asking him all sorts of interesting questions. But first, do we have any emails?
1: We actually do have emails. Hooray! (sighs)
2: Somebody wrote?
1: Someone wrote (laughs) us. Go figure. Great.
3: Now, let's talk to Michael Thomas. uh... (laughs) Oh, wait. Yeah, we probably ought to actually read them, shouldn't we?
1: We we probably should. Yeah. Okay. So I take it you want me to start now, then? (laughs) Well...
3: Not to rush you or anything, but yeah, 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 that would be good. Now-ish. Don't you think so, Corbett?
2: That wouldn't be bad. Yeah. That, that yeah. would be better than good. It would be very good.
3: That'd be twice better than bad. Or half as good as... Yep. Wait. Yep. <laughs> okay. but better than bad, it's good.
1: <laughs> All right.
2: <laughs> How many licks does it take to get to the center of an email? <laughs> <laughs>
1: The world may never Never know. know. (laughs) Crunch. (laughs) Three. It's
3: a weird day, guys. Put up with us, please.
1: (laughs) So anyway. Anyway. (laughs) All right, well. I blame the queso. I read all the emails on the face of the earth. No emails were harmed in the making of this podcast. Our first email is from Jimmy Anderson, who may never listen to our show again after this. <laughs> and Jimmy writes, Hey guys and gal, Hello. I'm new to the show. I recently received my PDF of Top Secret New World Order and did a search on drive-through for Top Secret stuff and found your show. Really enjoyed those two episodes and listened to Traveler as well. I'm up to Castles and Crusades now, and one of you mentioned Car Wars, so I thought I would email.
2: (laughs) As a threat?
1: (laughs) That
3: was probably me. (laughs) Mia culpa. I used to play Car Wars.
1: First, Top Secret was indeed my very first RPG ever. I had seen D&D, but never played. I'm not a fantasy fan for the most part. I grew up on sci-fi, time travel, etc., and never got into high fantasy.
2: Then you're going to love this episode about Blue Home. Oh, wait, go ahead.
1: (laughs) So, Top Secret was my first and my favorite for a long, long time. Four of us played different games growing up, and two of us continued to play Top Secret off and on over the years. When New World Order was announced, Chris, our biggest Top Secret fan from our childhood group, wanted to get in on it. We have a Roll20 campaign planned, hoping to start tomorrow night, so I really enjoyed the interview with Merlin Jason. Second, as to Car Wars, that was my favorite game, period, growing up. Wow. <laughs> and I have been running PBEM games for years. Now I'm running them via Slack instead of email so there's so much more opportunity for banter and such. I run two concurrent games all the time and have several on the waiting list. So, whichever of you is a Car Wars fan, let me know if you want in on a game. Happy to invite you to Slack if you'd like to take a look and see what you think. I'm I'm hoping to get Gaslands included after I get more familiar with the rules. My wife doesn't care for Car Wars. Takes too long and too finicky. She likes the look of X-Wing, my current favorite game, but doesn't care for all the rules and the card interactions and such. But Gaslands, she enjoys that. Fast-paced, quick combat, games are fast, brutal and not drawn out. Yeah, you that know, sounds like Amanda. <laughs> <laughs> She's not a painter, but she helps me paint and mod and helps come up with ideas, paint schemes, etc. And it's cool having your non-gamer wife get excited about looking at new Hot Wheels when you go into the store. Quite true.
2: That is awesome.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Says, lastly, I still don't know all of your names, haven't learned them yet, but one of you, Corbett, has a voice that reminds me of Simmons from Red vs. Blue. (laughs) (laughs) Really enjoying the show and looking forward to more. Jim. (laughs) So, Corbett.
3: What's your zombie plan?
2: I'm glad you asked, Mike. I have two weeks of
3: food stored in my attic. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks, Jimmy. That was probably me. And I'll assume that Slack is something like Vassal or something for programs set up to allow you to do board games online. I assume. I've never heard of it. But, yeah, talking about the Hot Wheels, there's actually a couple of minis companies that sell these little Armor and weapons sections that have been designed to be glued to Hot Wheels cars. Really? Yeah, so you can like buy a Hot Wheels car, then buy these armor plates, a few turrets, and stuff, and oh, just make man. your own car wars. I
2: might be getting car. back into car wars.
3: At <laughs> 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 Stan Johansson Minis, I'll, maybe we'll see about putting a link in the show notes. It, he's got a whole line of just accessories.
2: Because I've got so, a lot of Hot Wheels, and they need some <laughs> guns. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, that's cool. I always find it interesting to find people who started RPGing with games other than D&D, or quote-unquote high fantasy. It seems to have a different uh, viewpoint when it comes to gaming. So.
1: To answer your question about Slack, I guess in a very general description, it's kind of like a chat room. Someone who forms a Slack channel can then invite people into it. You can use it either to get together to game. A lot of people use it to collaborate on things, you know, business stuff. Yeah, I would, I would say it's probably something like you, that you would be familiar with, Mike. It's very much like an IRC chat room. Oh, okay. Oh, well, that's cool. So, I mean, so it's, yeah. it's not an IRC chat room, but it's like one. But it's so. like
3: one. Mm. Okay. <laughs> well, thanks, Jimmy. And if you did end up getting a uh, game going on Roll20, feel free to write us and tell us how it went. Or if it's still going on.
2: Actually, that game, gas was it Gaslight?
3: Gaslands. Gaslands.
2: Gaslands. That sounds pretty interesting, too. And it's always fun to yeah, hear about I, other games.
3: I think, yeah, I, I think it's like a board game that's kind of on the same subject, kind of like Battle Cars for... People in cars with guns trying to blow people away. You know, road warrior. As you do. As you do. (laughs)
2: Like we've never driven on the highway. Come on.
1: (laughs) In Texas. (laughs) Okay, well, next email then. All right. Our next email is a very brief one from Michael Wallace.
0: Hello. And
1: Michael says, Hey, folks, I'm a new listener and have been devouring the episodes available on iTunes. If you are interested in votes on games to discuss, please discuss my all time favorite game, Star Frontiers. Mm. Thanks, Michael. Never. We've
3: had several requests on Star Frontiers. <laughs> <laughs> we'll probably do it right after we do Boot Hill, which really we are. I, <laughs> I feel we, like we that's are a joke. Going to do Boot Hill. Seriously, we really are.
2: Boot Hill, Star Frontiers. We are, You did Gamma World. We did Gamma World. Everybody yeah, did you, Gamma do... World.
3: <laughs> yeah, you weren't there for Gamma World. Yeah, I know. But, yeah, but we, yeah, Gamma World was done. Rocky versus um,
2: Bullwinkle, or Rocky and Bullwinkle.
3: <laughs> Rocky and Bullwinkle, the masquerade. <laughs> yeah. <it> was, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure White will put that out as a supplement. I'm certain. Yeah.
2: Oh, and Marvel we superheroes do we have not to done fulfill that either.
3: Star Frontiers, which <laughs> is a fun little game. I have occasionally referred to it as the best traveler supplement ever created, but I'm an old traveler fan.
1: I owned Star Frontiers, but I never owned Traveler. So
3: <laughs> So there. Yeah. So
1: there, yeah.
3: Yeah, you were a TSR fangirl throughout the 80s, weren't you? She really Pretty was. much.
1: I mean, not by any real choice, but that was, I imagine that was pretty much most of what my parents found when they were searching for things to, to purchase for me. Yeah, just kind of by default, I wound up with all of the TSR games, except for Boot Hill. I never except had Boot, Boot Hill. Hill.
3: So it's your fault we haven't covered it up.
2: To or The Young and the Restless. That was another one Shoot. you missed.
3: Oh, I missed that one. I know all my children. <laughs>
2: oh, it was All My Children. That was the one I was thinking of.
1: Yeah, I skipped, I, I skipped that one too somehow. Thank goodness. As,
2: well, as it was, an
3: anniversary present, I got Liz the Dallas RPG from Spy. Uh,
2: SBI. Yeah. Is, it, uh, is it the game where basically your, your dice roll is instead replaced by how well you throw water in other people's faces?
1: I don't think so, but that would be an awesome optional rule to incorporate. Nobody has a
3: game unless it has house rules. Gotta have house rules. Yeah. (laughs) Or two women fighting and tearing at each other's clothes. Oh, wait, no, that's (laughs) Dynasty. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. Wrong show. Well, if people want to write us to complain about anything or talk about how great we are or what we need to change or why haven't we covered Boot Hill, damn it, where would they write Corbett?
2: I believe that if they're writing to complain to us, they want to contact Save or Die. At, <laughs> um, or maybe not. <laughs>
1: Charles going, why are we getting all these emails? <laughs> these people aren't even on our show. I
2: believe Blood it's Podcast at gmail.com. Indeed. Ah, okay. I didn't have to
3: call ah, a lifeline. Write us. Liz will read your emails on the show and we will try to answer them in our best way possible unless anyone has anything they need to announce we will go into a commercial break and then when we return we will be with the vile traveler who will travel through time to discuss things with us
1: we'll be back To a world without
2: nearly enough quality gamer podcasts they came. The Grognard Files, a podcast about role-playing games from back in the day. You know they're experts because they speak with British accents. Find them at armchairadventureblog.com, iTunes, or wherever fine podcasts are served.
3: Motel to have breakfast with Brooke. But I'll be at the chateau with Adam. A
0: friendly game of All My Children turns not so friendly when someone's out to
1: ruin
3: baby's hairdo. Read Angie's diary.
0: All My Children turns a proper party into a Pine Valley affair.
1: Testify against Tad.
0: Bring Jesse. All My Children a game.
1: To be good, you've got me
0: bad.
3: Everybody. It's your Fab 3 sitting together with a fourth. The Vile Traveler himself, Michael Thomas, has joined us from the future. Thirteen Hello,
1: hours. <laughs>
3: yes. He's fully a Hello day from in the Sunday. Way.
2: So let me get this straight. He came back from the future to give us a game from 40 years ago. I'm <laughs> yep. Confused.
3: By the way, what are those lottery numbers? Oh, <laughs> oh, okay. We're here to talk about Blue Holm specifically Blue Home Journeyman, but we're gonna talk all over the place because we're gamers and that's what we do. So first, Michael, give me the elevator pitch for Blue Home.
0: Okay, Blue Home. Well, Blue Home is what, in my imagination, could have happened if there had been an expert and maybe a tiny bit of a companion for the Holmes basic set. It's the elevator pitch.
3: (laughs) Is uh, Holmes the game you started with?
0: Interestingly, it's not. I started with Play. I didn't discover Holmes until relatively recently, 2010 or so. Huh. Yeah. uh, Thanks to the internet. uh, What converted you? (laughs) Make it sound like Uh, a cult. It does sound like (laughs) a cult. (laughs) (laughs) I think it was basically John Eric Holmes that did it. Because I got a copy of the game very shortly after hearing about it on a bit of a whim because I had some cash in my PayPal and I started reading it and then I looked. I found out about it on the internet, and I came across Zach Howard's website, uh, Xenopus, and and, uh, read a few articles by Holmes, and I thought, hey, I can get this guy. Because to be honest, (laughs) I've never really seen eye-to-eye with Gary Gygax on gaming. Uh, Well, I was kind of introduced (gasps) to to his ideas uh, in the AD&D era rather than the OD&D era. So we, we always kind of thought... Nah, this is not how you play D&D. It's guidelines, not rules. Yeah. So when I I read Holmes and I read Confessions of a Dungeon Master, I thought, yeah, this is how I want to play D&D.
3: This guy gets it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I tried to tell myself whenever Gary went off on the, you have to play it this way, that that Mm. was more the businessman talking than the gamer because... You know, if you look at some of his articles from the early days, he was, play it how you want. He was really yeah. like that.
0: Yeah, of course, at, at the time, we, we didn't have the internet. So uh, I, I just went by whatever I saw in the magazines in the 80s. Now, Oh, uh,
1: he doesn't True. really
0: play the we do.
3: I forget, did Games Workshop put out Mulvey Cook for Britain, or did you get it directly on a direct sale?
0: It was available here. Uh, I can't remember whether it was No, no, it was, it was through TSI UK at the time, I think. Oh, uh, yeah,
3: that's right. They, yeah. they had been started by then.
0: Yeah, although I was in Ireland then. My my first set got confiscated by Customs. Huh. Seriously? So yeah, I think they would have given it to us if we'd paid some extra money, but I didn't really understand Customs at the time, so I thought, no, they've confiscated it. So I had to go to a game shop and buy one.
3: That's weird. I thought the Satanic Panic was just limited to the U.S.,
0: I think, I think it? well, in those days, the custom situation in Europe was a bit more complex than it is nowadays. So I think it was just because it was in a box. So we mm. owed some tax money.
2: Well, it was in another wow. language, too, so...
0: From Irish. <laughs> From Irish. <laughs> <laughs> it was unwritten with an Irish accent. <laughs> it, it, it was. Yeah, it was. It was when I read it. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Well, yeah.
3: Well, anyway, for those who aren't familiar, the original Blue Home. Prentice Edition covered levels 1 to 3, much like the original Holmes basic set. The new Journeyman rules cover two levels, was it 20? Yep. It's 1 to 20, way. isn't it? Yes, levels 20, and is a little bigger than the original, Blue
0: Home Prentice mm-hmm.
3: Other than ah. more spells and such, what would you say makes Journeyman different than the Prentice Edition?
0: Well, it is, as you say, mostly new spells, new monsters magic items um, there was a lot also, of
2: magic items
0: oh a uh, hell of a lot more magic items yeah, <laughs> yeah. but also kind of stuff uh, regarding high level play so uh, it's got rules on strongholds and of course it has all the rules on uh, higher level characters it also apprentice rules was kind of uh, a test for me so i wanted to see how you could put it together and, and then once that worked i thought yeah i'll Go to level fourteen, and they thought, "Yeah, I'm, I'll go to level twenty. Why not?"
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice so, round number.
0: Yeah, and anyway, you need those high-level NPCs, right?
3: Which is pretty much how I've mostly used them for the past twenty, thirty years. I mean, most mm-hmm. of the time, yeah. we get around the teens, and we just retire our characters and start over. Yeah. I don't think I don't think I've made twentieth level since high school. I mean, it's been a
0: long yeah. time. Yeah. I don't think so. Unless we've actually decided, yeah, we want to play a high level game and we start up there. But I don't think anybody's ever gone past the teens in the, the old school way. Well, yeah.
2: When you're a kid, it's different. You're beating the game, <laughs> you've got to win. Yeah.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Well, in sixth, seventh grade, you know, we had a campaign where everybody's running around with 50th level characters. And, you know, you have that power trip age thing, I suppose. But, you know, that died really quick.
0: Yeah, I, I remember getting to thirty sixth. I don't know how we did it, because we, we were playing BX. We only really had rules up to 14, but yeah.
3: Huh. <laughs> I suppose you could just extrapolate, I suppose. You know, just keep doubling the XP or something. But you wouldn't know what, what yeah. advantages to have. Or you could do the Liz thing and get a copy of Blackmore and Greyhawk. <laughs>
1: mm.
3: Yeah.
0: Well, we um, uh, I, I never knew about that kind of stuff back then.
1: When I got my game, it was from this hole-in-the-wall game store, and they had the box set, which I bought, and then I went back, and they had two of the OD&D supplement books. They had the Greyhawk booklet, and they had Deities, Demigods, and Heroes, and I had no idea that it, they weren't supposed to go together. So well, I bought them D&D. and I used them. Yeah, you know, they yeah, they all said D&D. So I bought them and I used all of them together with the box set. And, you know, it didn't even occur to me until many years later. It's like, oh, I guess technically that was a different version of the game, but they meshed together so well. So Ooh. I thought it was all the same. <laughs> I think that's something
3: yeah. that's kind of lost nowadays. Back in the 80s, we bought everything. And, you know, if two books contradicted each other we just asked the DM okay which is your ruling okay and just went with it we didn't get into the ease or the basic advanced or much or any of that
0: yeah same with us I didn't really realize there were different versions until I started buying the magazines which was white yeah. dwarf for me being in the UK but um yeah for, for many years we just thought that's D&D that's D&D this has got some funny rules I can't find in the book well hey we just roll with it yeah go with what works
3: but yeah. back to Blue Home Journeyman. I know there's not a whole bunch of other retro clones for the Holmes basic set. The only one I could think of is Mazes and Perils.
0: Yeah. Is, is there any I'm forgetting, guys?
1: Not well, that I can think of right offhand.
0: Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a couple of um, kind of straight expansions. Uh, yeah, like the Holmes the Companion. Ninth and, level, and then there's a whole companion up to 12th. But those are basically just spell lists and that kind of thing going up to high levels. But, XP. yes, Mazes and Perils, I, I actually edited the first version of Mazes and Perils.
3: Oh, okay.
0: That uh, was Vince's baby. Yeah. It, when it first came out, there was a bit of a hurrah about it. And I, I saw it and I said, oh, well, why don't I kind of rewrite it a little bit for you? So I did that and I got Glenn to do a few more pictures here and there. Yeah, I remember it's that. Now in a it, it's now in a much better version. <laughs> it now has
3: the deluxe version. Yeah, I, haven't, I don't know anything about that version. Hmm. I yeah. just know the original Mazes and Perils, he was going a little different direction. He was trying to make it actually a basic set of advanced Dungeons and Dragons.
0: Going by what it actually said in the Blue Book, which is, look at this for A D E, and look at that for ad So he kind of extrapolated in that direction. I went more with just taking the rules by themselves and seeing where they could go based on really everything else I could find out about John Eric Holmes's gaming. Yeah, mm. Like uh, going by his his other writings.
3: Speaking of which, did the novel Mazes and Perils inspire you? Any
0: when dealing journeymen, when working oh, yes. journeymen rules. Oh yes, definitely. Yeah, I, I I keep it within arm's reach here on my my study. <laughs> yes, I call it my study. Uh, well, uh, not just Mazes and Perils, but also his other short stories. I've got most of his other short stories. I don't have the the Black Bay book yet because I'm I'm waiting for them to sell out and. Produce an electronic version, which is what Alan promised he would do. <laughs> so postage, postage kills me where I am. Uh, pretty much all Holmes's other writing—that's that's where a lot of the stuff comes from. I've tried very hard not to have anything in there that isn't traceable to Holmes. So you know, it has the it has the Drenoi, the insectoid race, uh, which came from the the old 70s science fiction war game, because. Holmes mentioned that in one of his articles that his highest level character ever was fourth, and it was <laughs> and, and Adreno, And is in there because I, I then contacted the writer of the game, who's still around. And he's still, it's called Stargard, with an oh, exclamation mark. Okay. And he's still around, and the game is still around. So I just asked him, can, can I use this? And he said, yeah, sure. Um, so, oh, it's great. That's so Adrenoid is there. And, uh, and there's, there's a few pieces of art of Adrenoid. I think that they occur more than once in Journey Home now. Yeah, so you can see what they look like. So are they more mantis, or...? I guess they're kind of mantis, <laughs> mantis anti-cross creatures. Yeah, yeah they're, they're, they have a very mantis-like head. Mm-hmm.
2: They have a humanoid shape, though.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay. Except for the workers who have four arms.
3: Oh,
2: really? You,
0: you, can actually, you can actually buy minis for these. You can buy all minis for all the Stargard aliens and so on.
3: What scale are
0: so they Let me think. I think they're 25 millimeter. Real twenty uh, fives? Yeah, they're basically from that era. So.
3: Oh, great. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're real twenty fives. I might actually see if I grabbing some because that's cool. We'll have I to was have really... a link on the show notes.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: I was really excited going through the the creatures section to see that you included a lot of the Lovecraft creatures. It's like, yes.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, again, these are based on. Um, Holmes wrote a, a Dragon article, and he yeah. did his interpretation of some of the uh, Lovecraft creatures. And so basically, those are the ones that are in there. I, I really didn't want to expand it into the whole mythos thing. Mm-hmm. I just really wanted to stick to what I knew happened in Holmes' games. So um, we kind of stuck to those. So we, we have Deep Ones. We have uh, go, those kind of things, but not, not Sh- everything. Shoggoths? Uh, I, well, uh, I always thought shoggoths were kind of black puddings, so I've kind of turned black puddings into shoggoths, really, oh, okay. <laughs> if you read the That'll descriptions. Yeah.
1: yeah, I read yeah. one of them You know, talking about how the black puddings were the creations and had overthrown, but now the black puddings were mindless, and so they'd kind of degenerated from what they used to be. It's like, that's pretty cool. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that was the biggest thing with writing homeless was to restrict myself and not start going off making a completely different game. And interestingly enough, there was a a bunch of guys who did a previous podcast called Save or Die, I think it was. Never heard
3: of it. (laughs) Um,
0: Yeah. They went through the apprentice rules with a fine tooth comb and and found a few interesting things where I'd unconsciously gone astray. So that was quite a good turning point for me because then I went back and said, okay, I, I need to tighten this up and get rid of some of this stuff. Glad we can uh, help yeah um, well something yeah. stayed Remember obviously because they yeah. were in homes and i was thinking of, of actually maybe i should should put that in the spell descriptions like um about magic missile uh i, I was thinking of putting uh, magic missile uh, requires a to hit roll jim, mm-hmm. <laughs>
3: jim. <laughs> jim. <laughs>
0: yeah but, yeah i left that i left that in there <laughs> yeah, I,
3: whenever uh, I've talked just... to friends about retro clones, I always usually have to pitch it as, well, Labyrinth Lord, say, is basic expert with some of Daniel Proctor's house rules. Swords and Wizardry is OD&D with Matt Finch's house rules. I really can't do that with Blue Blueholm because this is Holmes. Yeah. Here the old Holmes. There's no, no yeah. house rules here.
0: There are some extrapolations, obviously, because we only had three levels to go on. But uh, yeah, I I really tried to keep both to the rules as written, but also to the the spirit of play.
3: Yeah, Um, you didn't uh, go with something, well, but this sounds like this would actually play better.
0: Maybe it Mm. would,
3: but it's not
0: Holmes. Yeah,
1: I couldn't help but notice that you had the foreword done by Chris Holmes. Yes, indeed. How much of a collaboration did you wind up having with Chris when you were trying your best to stay with what John Eric Holmes's games were like and what he did and what happened. Did you have the opportunity to mine Chris Holmes's memories to help shape some of your decisions with Blue Home Journeyman?
0: Oh, definitely. Chris is a great guy. I mean he was so open to talking about the game and and about how they used to play it. Yeah, originally I, I was just asking, like a fanboy would, uh, you know, would you would you write a foreword for my game, please? And I was so surprised because he came back and he basically started reading through it chapter by chapter and sending me long emails on, <laughs> on his thoughts of you know how the things he remembered based on it. And he was quite open also in um, saying what he thought were stupid D and D rules. So I had to kind of say, yeah, I kind of agree, but I really need to stick to the rules on this one. <laughs> so we talk quite a lot via email, and we still correspond. So it's, he's great. Well, let he's very guess. active as well. Yeah,
3: let me guess. Banshee magic. I'll bet yeah, that was spell one points. of them. Why not? Yeah. Why not spell points? <laughs>
2: <fun? laughs> yeah. Well, he did <laughs> well, a lot of the art, too, didn't he? Oh, not a lot of it, but he did several pieces, I know. He did,
0: yeah. Yeah, he... I've got, actually, the Wearshak, which also appears in the, the new Maces and Perils compilation. It's the same piece of art. We got a three-way agreement to use that piece of art with Griggs oh, with and with Black Lane. But he's also, there's also uh, the um, carrion crawler. Uh, sorry, it's not a carrion crawler. It's a cave creeper. Yes. <laughs>
1: Completely different yeah. and non-legally totally binding. <laughs>
3: non-legally actionable,
0: yeah. Yeah, and he, would, he wouldn't take payment for that, so I'm, I just had to send him lots of copies of the book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he can kind of sell those off
3: sell yeah. him or start his own game or something Who
0: knows? He yeah.
3: seems yeah. to do a lot in theater so
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah, so, yeah, it's, yeah it's really great to be able to kind of connect to some of the people involved in the past in, in these games
3: something yeah. i've noticed with other retro clones i don't know if you have this planned in the future but a lot of the retro cloners seem to be taking their rules set and then putting out supplements for either different genres or different variations of XD and D Mm -hmm. to play with their system. Do you intend to
0: do any of that? I I have to be very realistic with what I can and can't do. So I've I've got a plan at the moment to put out some adventures. Mm -hmm. I haven't written that many of my own, but I I tend to buy rights to use other people's adventures and rewrite them. So I've bought the rights from Mr. Pillow, Thorkhammer, Turkey ah, quite a few of his adventures. So I'll be, uh, well, I've started reworking those for Blue Home. Uh, so I've got quite a few adventures lined up, and I'm not really, I don't want to do anything else for a while on this, until I've got those out. And then I have a few additional classes out where they haven't, they're not ready yet. If you remember... Before this game became Journeyman, it, for a while I was calling it Blue Home Complete Rules. Mm-hmm. And basically the, the difference between Complete and Journeyman was that, that Complete had all the subclasses in it, but it was just taking me so long to work out all the classes and all the spells and so on. So I just said, ah, the game is ready, I'm just going to do it with four basic classes. So I'm, I'm still planning to publish the subclasses as a separate supplement but for the moment that's as far as my plans go because um well, like all publishers this is basically a one man band and uh, I have a real life and a real so job <laughs> I, my, yeah so uh, and unfortunately my real job became rather busier because my boss resigned and I ended up doing his job so um, I'm kind of busy these days <laughs>
1: <laughs> do you at yeah. least get his paycheck <laughs>
0: Well, there's there's a possibility of my getting it once the acting role finishes, but I, I suspect our dean is making me act as long as possible <laughs> to save money. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. But still, yeah. So it's it's down to time really. I I do have other projects on the boil because I I have a, another game I put out which is Black Hack. Uh, sorry, based on the Black Hack, it's Blue Hack. <laughs> so that's a that's a you know a little twenty-two page digest sized game it's also based on the SRD but it's I don't know if you're familiar with the black hack
3: I'm not could, I was going to say could you explain it for any of the listeners who aren't familiar with it
0: yeah it's the most minimal version of D&D basically that I've come across it, it has got some changes to the rules but it's still very recognizably D&D and it manages to cram it into like I said 22 pages of digest size rules which is Pretty amazing, I thought. And there's a whole kind of subculture growing up around the black hack. So there's lots of different hacks out there now.
3: So this isn't with microfish level font or anything, is it?
0: No, no, it's um, perfectly readable. And my eyesight okay. is going, so <laughs> I can read it. That's okay. That's my experimental version. But with that, actually, in some ways, I'm. although the rules are slightly different because they're based on the black hack, but the content is actually even closer to the blue book than home journeyman because it's it's i didn't extrapolate it other than higher level spells every everything else in there is what's in the blue book so it's it's my it's the homes hack i guess i would call it yeah so that's that's another little side thing i've done i've just received artwork for that so i'm gonna make that go print on demand pretty soon maybe this weekend yeah
3: well um Getting back to the supplement, can you give us a mm-hmm. sample of what uh, subclasses you're looking at putting in there? Just a
0: few. I um, mean, I'm sure
3: there'll be the Ranger, yeah. Paladin.
0: Yeah, the Ranger, Paladin. It's got a different version of the monk because rather than going with the Kung Fu monk, it's actually going with the kind of more of Friar Tuck medieval sort of monk. Ah. Obviously, there's going to be um, witch doctors, shaman, and samurai. Amazon? Uh, has-
1: Amazon's uh, Amazon. actually in the creature list.
0: Yeah, yeah. Amazon. yeah but I mean yeah. as a
1: class to play.
0: I did originally think of making Amazon one, but I, I thought it was kind of similar to a fighter. I, I don't know whether I feel that comfortable making pay people extra for that.
3: <laughs> okay, fair, fair enough.
0: And there's a picture of the Amazon in the Blue Home which a lot of people have made comments on.
1: I can't imagine why. <laughs> <laughs> Is she accurate? Amazon
0: having one breast burned?
1: No, uh, but well, um, you can see that they're not. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, no, the art came back fully intact, and I didn't really have, have to say to the artist, no, 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 change it. Chop one um, off. Yeah. Um, I well, I was kind enough. of thinking, should I go with the accurate version or not? And I thought, okay, he's done it now. <laughs> I, I don't like to go back to artists and tell them to change stuff. That's a weakness I have. I, I like to let the originality intrude
3: yeah, and artists can get twitchy when you do that. I've discovered. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> what are you okay. saying, for They're artists. Yeah. Huh? Not like writers, you know. We take. <laughs> we told. Yeah, we just okay. do
2: everything.
0: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we'll just do what you're told. Uh, cut, cut 500 <laughs> words from that page? Okay. Sure. Back at you in the two hours. And make sure it doesn't suck. Okay, okay.
3: That, that's yeah. a nice, that's a nice concise direction. Thank you. <laughs> We're going to say something, but,
2: I had a question. Mm-hmm. In Blue Home, you've, you've changed the damage rules, but they're really not that different. So I'm kind of curious if you did it under pressure from the people who hate the damage being consistent, or if you did it because... Chris gave you some insight, or I was just kind of curious the reason mm. for the, the like the size of the weapon changes the way the damage works. And it's kind of cool the way it is. So.
0: Yeah, it's it's not really the the different damage is an optional rule, which is you know mm-hmm. like like in Moldvay, a lot of people seem to have forgotten that actually variable damage for weapons was optional, and, mm-hmm. and D6 was the the basic. So I, I've put in an optional rule, but I, I kind of just step back and which I had to do a lot with the game, and not try to think of stuff which was published afterwards, and just see, you know, what could it have been? Because it's based on the a lot of people call the broken dagger rule in Holmes, where weapons are divided into light, medium, and heavy, but the only difference is that light weapons get to attack twice in a round, medium weapons attack once, and heavy weapons attack every second round. So why would anyone ever use a heavy weapon, and why doesn't everyone carry two daggers? Yeah, I had that problem
3: for a while. Yeah. You had these fighters in full plate with daggers yeah. running after monsters.
0: That's right. I, I looked at it and I thought, well, the obvious thing to do is just to pretend that never happened and just leave that whole weapon category thing out. But then I thought about it a bit and I thought, well, the the point of Blue Home is to really bring out some of the unique bits in homes which don't appear in any of the other games. and And that's one of the unique bits is the different weapon weights. So I thought, well, how can I keep that? and make it make sense. So I, I put in a very minimal tweak in that it's not really variable weapon damage. So you don't have uh, D4s for daggers, D8s for swords, D6s for hand axes like Old way. In- instead, I put in um, the idea of you rolling multiple dice. So for a light weapon, you roll two dice and pick the lower. For normal weapons, you just roll one D6. For heavy weapons, you roll two dice and pick the higher. And for an extra heavy weapon, and the only one is the crossbow, the heavy crossbow, which tends to get overlooked a bit in homes. But it is actually a heavier weapon than the other heavy weapons. Okay. So for well, that, you get to roll also three right dice. It's a of fire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So for that, you get to roll three dice and pick the higher. So the idea is really where I had to had a choice of either dumping something from homes that wasn't quite fully explained in the rules or adapting it. I, I tried to adapt it with uh, as little change to the basic system as possible. But it's still not optional, so you can still ignore it.
2: Yeah, no, I thought it was a great addition. I just I was kind of curious. <laughs> I guess, well, now I know.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it, well, it did come out of uh, quite a bit of online discussion. I mean, m- most of my discussions about this happen on OD&D discussion forums, where Xenopus, Zach, is very active. So we had a lot of discussions on there and uh, some of the other players, and, and their various ideas for and like you said, it comes up quite a lot in the OD&D community, you know, mm-hmm. the variable weapon damage. If you if you stick with the three little brown books, you know, you don't have variable weapon damage. If it, you bring in Greyhawk, you start having it. But people sometimes want variable weapon damage without going all the way into the supplements.
3: Speaking of uh, being faithful to Holmes, mm-hmm. I'm not exactly sure on the dates, so you can correct me if I'm wrong, but did Xenopus's discovery of that Holmes manuscript influence Journeyman in
0: any way? Yes, that was a, an interesting yeah, that happened right in the middle of my writing the game uh, it, it happened after Prentice came out, and then Xenopus's posts over, over a period going through the manuscript, step by step came out, and uh, I, I looked at it and I thought, for a while and I talked about it a little bit on the forum, you know, now that we have what was actually written by Holmes. Should I adjust my, my book based on that? And for a while I was teetering on the edge, but in the end I kind of came back to the published rules because really that's what, that's what Holmes is to tens of thousands of people. The majority of people who learned to play with Holmes never saw the manuscript posts by Zenopus and so on, so to a lot of people that's still fairly obscure. Mm -hmm. Uh, plus that's clearly one of the final manuscripts it's clearly not the original ones that were sent by Holmes to Gary Gygax because um, we we know he did raise issues like spell points and so on uh, which were shot down by Gary but this manuscript is quite quite close, not that close I mean it's still more recognizably OD and d than the published Holmes
3: Did it help you with any of your extrapolation ideas?
0: Uh, It did for example, you know, the one big thing that was lost in translation between the editions uh, was that in OD&D there were actually two moves in a round. Uh, so you had two moves and an attack. Hmm. But in Moldvay and in AD&D that, that second move kind of disappeared somehow. It wasn't very obvious in the original rules, so maybe that was why. But that's the reason why everybody looks at D&D and says, how come everybody moves so slowly? Because <laughs> actually they don't, they move twice as fast. The original Holmes book actually has this half and half. It's one of those interesting things where it was half implemented and half lost. Uh, the, for characters, if you look, the movement speeds are actually based on the idea of two moves, except if it's not two moves, it's just double the movement rate. But then you look at the monsters and they're moving half as fast as the characters so there's no
3: way they'll uh, catch you
0: yeah <laughs> so something happened there i stuck to the original movement speeds so things in blue home move a bit faster than they do in say uh moldway
3: yeah i noticed that when it came to the combat round it was magic missile melee move which i think mm-hmm.
0: in moldvay it isn't it move melee yeah in, in moldvay they changed the order uh well in in homes it's again it's it's buried in one of the in, in some of the rules, but it's in there they they have a very clear order of when things happen
3: okay so I, I have, just want- I have to
0: say that, 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 you know back back in the day when we played, we just kind of went okay, it's my turn, I just do stuff okay your turn
3: <laughs> yeah, one of the things of announcing your moves before or your intentions before rolling initiative is something mm-hmm. that we never did. And I've often thought it would be fun to run one doing that Mm -hmm. just to see how it changes play. Because it seems like it would change play.
0: Well, it does. I have to say I've never played D&D that way, but I I have played a lot of RuneQuest in my youth. And it has a clear statement of intent phase in the round. And it does change the dynamic a lot. I wouldn't say it's actually fun. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> so we we actually dropped that rule in RuneQuest even because it, it's more I guess what you'd call realistic which is why back in the early 80s a lot of people started playing RuneQuest because they said okay this is more realistic than D&D until we kind of realized that realism is, is all rather relative. It's not really a lot of fun. Okay. It, yeah, it makes it, it's the... a bit more wargamy.
3: I remember the ads for RuneQuest in Dragon magazine. One of the things they were talking about why it was so much more realistic than D and D was because the author had fought in the SCA and thus yes. knew about medieval sword fighting. And I was just going because <laughs> yeah. I've been in the SCA. <laughs> At least heavy it's, fighting is. Yeah, no, that's not.
0: It's not gamer.
3: Yeah, so. I've yeah. never actually played RuneQuest, though, which is weird. I've played yeah. Call of Cthulhu, but I've never played mm. RuneQuest. It's really weird. No, pretty,
0: pretty similar in, in the basics. I mean, you, t- you take away hit locations, and you've basically got the same system.
3: Do you die or go insane as frequently?
0: Well, no, you, you die or lose limbs.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so you keep your in sanity, Request. but you lose appendages, Jeff. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that was one of those historical things, I guess. But in the, with the OSR movement, really... I found that a lot of us have gone back to the the older games with a, a bit more of a realistic viewpoint of not thinking about, are these rules simulating exactly what happens in real life? Because we we now kind of realize that no game is ever really going to simulate it that closely. So it's a, you know, I mean, there's nothing wrong with RuneQuest in, in that sense. I still play RuneQuest when I can, but it, it's not as ideological anymore. You know, I yeah. I for those kind of games. I play D&D for other kind of games. It's It's... It's most fun at the time.
3: Not to mention, we're arguing realism about casting spells and dragons yeah. eating hobbits. I mean, <laughs> it's,
0: yeah, it's not. Nowadays, I, I, like, I don't like to talk about realism. I talk about internal consistency.
3: Verisimilitude, as Gary yeah. put it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well,. In The Journeyman Rules, I haven't had a chance to read the realm information, etc., that you put in there. Do you ever give it a, a rationalization or an explanation of why the dungeons are there? Because I know Holmes really kind of played on that.
0: Yeah, it, it's kind of hidden under the surface. No and pun intended? Comes, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the idea is really to not to keep... not to have it too much in your face because one of the one of the points with the rule book itself is i want to keep it as generic as possible so that people can create their own worlds as they want you know if they want to play in carcosa they could do it with blue home but i i do have an idea of a known world myself and my adventures are written set in what i call the known world and i have a map being created by someone called Alyssa faden i don't know if you've heard of her Oh, she's an, an
1: excellent outdoor. map maker.
0: And and the map is actually based on the Outdoor Survival map. Ha! Awesome! It, I kind of started with that because when I first started writing the adventures, I, I was using the Outdoor Survival map as a kind of visual notebook. I plonked things here and there. I said, okay, that's that, that's where the city of Blue Home is and, and that kind of thing. Blue Home is the city in my known world. It's, it's turned into a real thing. So I understand that it's basically my vision of what, the world of Blue Homer is like. I didn't want to force that vision exactly on other people. So it's sneakily put into the modules, but it's not that obvious in the basic rules. So I have a reason for the underworld. It's, you know, it's, it's created by more ancient, a succession of more ancient races, and some of which may or may not still be around, as you go deeper. And it's, it's also based on the online idea of the mythological underworld, where. Doors close by themselves and gold appears for no apparent reason. And
3: everyone can see in the dark except you.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Mine's there. And halflings. Halflings can't see in the dark either. That's true.
1: (laughs) Michael, is there anything else that you specifically want to tell people about Blue Home Journeyman that we have not asked you about or otherwise covered over the course of our talk? Mm
0: -hmm. Well, I think we've kind of touched on most of the things interesting the last point you did bring up about the reason for the underworld and, and some of the things uh, because that, that's one of the uh, difficult choices to make when you're writing these is how generic to keep your book and how close you should bind it to a particular game world so I, I think I've managed to do that I, I've, I've kept it generic but if you want to use my known world with it it'll work if you want to use your game world with it. You can also use the rules with it for that. I'm a big fan of generic rule books rather than rule books which are tied to particular worlds. Agreed. Interesting for someone who's, who's had a lot of RuneQuest experience obviously. <laughs>
3: <laughs> From what I understand it's very hard to think of RuneQuest without Glorantha.
0: Mm. Just... Well it is for, for about half the population apparently because uh, uh, I'm one of the people who didn't really play in Glorianta much, and actually none of the people I've physically gamed with played much in that world. Oh, did world. y'all do, so the, do just...
3: the Avalon Hill version?
0: Well, I started with the Chaosium version. I moved on to Avalon Hill after a while. Okay. Uh, where we just kind of mashed them together. We just took the rules and mashed them together. I used the rules to play... I played in Greyhawk with RuneQuest rules, the, the box set. I've used it for games... Let me see. I'm going to run off a few off the top of my head. Blade Runner... Because <laughs> Aliens, Time Tunnel, Mythago Wood. I don't know if you've ever read that book. If you haven't, I, I recommend it. It's a very good novel. What's it called? Um, Mythago Wood? Mythargo, yeah, M- Myth as in M-Y-F-A-G-O. Mythago. Yeah. Okay. We, we just took the basic percentage skill things. We just used it in whatever. So I'm a big, big fan of generic rules because I, I, I just like writing my own worlds. Because then I don't get players saying, "Yeah, nee, that didn't happen three years ago." Um, if you look in a <laughs> couple yeah,
3: yes, that's one of the reasons I'm very reluctant to run games that are set in licensed properties because yeah. I know there's going to be somebody at the table who knows more about it than I do. Well, in the Fifth Age, it was clearly not here where the where <laughs> the demons spawn came out, but. A hundred miles away. Like, yeah. Well, and shut how did
0: they run there that fast?
3: Yeah. <laughs> Mike, and
2: don't like... you sound like that when you complain about the boat? <laughs> 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 just saying. <Yeah. laughs>
3: well, Michael, we've got to have a, a a job open on Say for Half. Would you like to consider becoming a host? We just lost yeah. one of our members, unfortunately. Sorry, Liz. <laughs>
1: Yeah. It was yeah. only a matter of time before they booted me to the side. <laughs>
3: yeah,
0: nobody likes you.
1: That's right.
0: We took a. Boat. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. Nobody likes kobolds. That's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> Story, Liz. I don't know whether you notice, blue Home kobolds are not kind of doggy-like. But I was thinking of you because if you look at <laughs> yeah. the picture, you will notice that although they are small, evil, dwarf-like creatures, if you look at the picture on, I'm trying to find the page now, kobolds in the book they have little puppy tails <laughs>
3: so they're at least the puppy's rear end yeah.
1: <laughs> i'll take it
3: <laughs> okay well thank you michael thomas for coming onto the show and answering um, some of our questions wait wait
0: i have a question oh, my pleasure
3: mm-hmm. oh, you got a question i
2: have a bit of a question i, I well i want to <clears> address the elephant in the room Uh I mean, you did a great job on the book, but why didn't you run the spell check on the cover title? Journey (laughs) main, apprentice apprentice instead of apprentice. Come on. It's a basic.
3: It's British.
0: (laughs) Wait till the uh, additional classes come out. That's also got a bit of a, there's an E in the master for some reason. Well, two E's, I should say. And the aluminium knight. Uh, I know it's coming. Yeah. yeah. We're we're talking um, pseudo-medieval it's uh, on the schedule. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, this, man. This is, the, this is the kind of stuff that we used to get a lot of uh, back in the 80s in the, um, the the gaming scene in the UK where everything was the old day Oh, yeah.
1: Shop spelled with two Ps and an E. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. So I'm, yeah, I'm look- sorry. I'm afraid that's that's in there and that's staying. <laughs> 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 okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs>
3: All right. Well, thanks again, and we appreciate you coming on the show.
0: Yes, my pleasure. Thank you thanks. for having me. Yep. Okay. Right. Bye then.
3: And that wraps up this sideshow 11 and a half. Woohoo. Yay. Where we almost talked about Boot Hill, but didn't quite. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Maybe next episode.
2: Who knows? Man, you are such a tease.
1: I am. I am. It's true. <laughs> no no true. one's going to believe you. You know, it's going to get to the point where you're going to promise next time we are definitely gonna talk about boot hill and everyone's gonna say, No you're not. No you're not. <laughs> They're never gonna talk about boot hill, ever. Well Fie upon them. Such a man. Fie. Uh-huh.
3: Maybe even ba. Let them eat queso. <laughs> Lots of queso. Although that was kind of cunning, the queso was free, but you had to pay five bucks for a bag of chips. So, yes,
1: for people who might be wondering what we're talking about, because I'm pretty sure we didn't mention this in the first part of the no, show, we didn't. We didn't. <laughs> it's part of the bank. so
2: what has Liz been eating lately?
3: <laughs>
1: She's been eating queso. Queso.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Or trying to, anyway.
1: We were going to go to a queso contest being held at one of the establishments here in Denton, but when we got there, there was a line of people coming out of the building and wrapping around it, trying to get in. And it was 97 degrees outside, and we decided we didn't want to stand in the hot sun for who knows how long it would take for us to get actually into the building. So. Queso. To to taste-free queso, instead, we just went to a local Tex-Mex restaurant in the area, and we bought... Chewy's. Chewy's. C-H-U-Y apostrophe S. Blatant plug. Uh, Blatant plug. (laughs) Blatant plug. And we ordered queso there, and got to immediately sit down in air-conditioned comfort and eat queso. We still had queso, but it wasn't the queso contest. There
2: you go. And you go. if they want to email us queso, Mike, where should they send it to?
1: <laughs> Save or die. I'm pretty sure that DM Carl or DM Crispy, one of them probably likes queso. Somebody. Who doesn't Somebody. like queso? That's right. Wow. If you love someone, send them queso.
2: <laughs> that's kind of cheesy, Liz. I'm
3: sure that's a Hallmark. <laughs> uh uh-oh. But a ching, ancient <laughs> comedy master. Right! Well, goodbye everybody. Bye. Goodbye, everybody. Free arc
1: in queso. <laughs> and we're back.
3: Stop the show to discuss queso.
1: The Save for Half podcast is a production of the Mudduppy Games Network and the
2: Gagman podcast. The Save for Half theme music is provided by the band Mississippi Bones. You can find them at mississippibones.bandcamp.com. All player characters mentioned
1: in this podcast are fictional, and any resemblance to PCs living or dead is purely coincidental. No NPCs were armed in the making of this podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Save for Half. Such in leaden palm